Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. First of all, I'm very honored that you're here tonight. It's always an honor to preach and teach on Wednesday night and to see this beautiful congregation. And you know that I'm going to be a good pastor. I'm going to let you out plenty of time to get those kids home and uh, let you put them to bed. But thank you for bringing your children to church tonight. Thank you. It does me a great honor to know that you have that kind of dedication and commitment to God and that God sees that. I'm speaking on this subject tonight, three words. Everybody say, and then some. And then some. That's what I'm talking about tonight. I just decided to go ahead and call it that. And then some. Now, I'm going to be referring to Luke 18 tonight. I'm not going to read it because it's a, it's a long passage. But I'm going, to, I'm going to be referring to Luke 18 tonight. The Bible is full of people whom God calls to do things above the normal. And then some. Things they could not do by themselves. He says simply, lean on me and rely on my power and my strength. For it's never been by might. It's never been by power, but it's been by my spirit, saith the Lord. If you want to build something, it's by a spirit. If you want to see something done, it's by a spirit. The children of Israel came to Canaan. They spied out the land and saw giants. Ten of them came back and said, we can't. We're like grasshoppers. And two of them came back and said, we can't. But when God went before them, they conquered the land. He says in the New Testament, greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. In Luke 18, 27, he said, What is impossible for man is possible with God. Wow. There are four stories in Luke 18. There are four stories in Luke 18. The first eight verses tell about a widow who comes to an unrighteous judge for help against her adversary. Jesus tells the story in just eight simple verses. Some of the story we do not know, like what was her income? Probably not much. She needed legal help for free. So without any financial reimbursement, she probably couldn't find that kind of help. The theme, she never got discouraged, even when she was turned down again and again and again. She kept coming back again and again and again. I heard an old preacher preach this one time. He just, all the time he was preaching, he just kept knocking. He about drove me crazy. <laughs> but when I left there, it's been like 30 years ago, I still remember what he did. He, I had never forgot it. She just kept knocking. The judge just throws up his hands and he says, because this widow kept bothering me, I will see she gets justice. Get her out of here. I will help her. The next story recorded in verses 9 through 14 is about a tax collector and a Pharisee. The Pharisee looks very religious. He wears religious clothes. He's got a great standard. He sounds religious. He does religious things. He assumes that God is looking with favor upon him because of who he is. The other man doesn't look very religious or even sound very religious. He's a tax collector. He's not well respected in the community. But both of them come to the house of the Lord to pray. And one prays in a spirit of pride. 
And the other prays in a spirit of humility. And Jesus said, God heard the prayer of the publican, the tax collector, who simply prayed, God have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. It's a great story. It's a great story. But he didn't hear the prayer of the Pharisee. The next story found in verses 15 through 17 is about the children who were brought to Jesus. Now, children were considered second-class citizens in that day at best. And they were to be ignored, to be seen, and not heard. But people kept bringing their children to Jesus. And pretty soon, they're sitting on his knees, laughing with him, and he is talking with them. And the apostles are saying to the people, he's too busy to be talking to your children. But Jesus says to them, I put it on the screen, let the little children come to me. And don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The Bible didn't tell us to be childish. He told us to be childlike. And then verses 18 through 25, we see someone who is quite the contrast to the others we've just been talking about. It's a rich young ruler. He's a yuppie. If we could take him out of the Bible and put him in present century, he would fit nicely in our culture. He would fit right here in Austin, Texas. He'd be driving a black BMW and sporting a monogrammed initials on his shirts. He'd have his hair done at the greatest place in all of Austin. He'd get his fingernails done and his toenails would probably have a little star on them. (laughs) I'm messing with you. He'd be the one who's always in control who knows exactly what to say and when to say it, but something is lacking in his life. So he comes to Jesus and he says, in case I have missed something, master, would you tell me how to inherit eternal life? Jesus talks to him about the law. And then Jesus says, here's the bottom line, sir. Here's the bottom line. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. What Jesus was really telling him was to be just like the widow. Be like the widow. Be like the tax collector. Be just like the children. He is saying, empty yourself of yourself. That's not easy to do. Because it's not until you do that that you're a candidate to receive the blessings that I'm anxious to give you. Pastor told about a man walking along with a bucket filled with water one time. I heard him. He said, just suppose for a moment that the bucket of water represents your will for yourself. All your dreams and all your ambitions and everything you hope will come true for you. But then someone offers to give you the precious oil, all the precious oil that you can carry. And let's suppose that that precious oil represents God's will for your life. And he said, it just makes sense that you can't take the oil and put it in the bucket filled with water because two reasons. There isn't any room left in the bucket. And number two, besides that, oil and water just don't mix. But he said, when you are, if you empty your bucket of water, boy, it's a simple illustration, but it's powerful. Then there's room for the precious oil to be put in. So simple, so profound. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, your bucket is too full of yourself. You've got to empty the contents before I can come in. Empty the contents and let me fill you. Let me come in and watch what I can do in your life. Amen. 
That's good stuff, Jesus. I'm, I'm glad you put that in the Bible. So then the question I'm going to ask tonight, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? The apostles, the disciples had been listening to all of this. So they come to Jesus in verse 26 and say, and, and they ask, who then can be saved? The disciples responded the same way that we often respond. If that's the requirement, if that is what we have to do, then how can anybody be saved? And Jesus' reply was this, what is impossible with man is possible with God. He's saying, if you want me to get in your life, you need to be completely empty of everything of yourself before you can really receive any and all of my blessings. I'm not going to force myself in there. I'm a gentleman. I stand at the door and knock. But if you'll open the door and let me in, I will come in. Watch this now. And I will sup with you. And then I'll let you sup with me. What are you saying? I'll take all your dust and all your stuff and all your trouble and all your problems and I'll take it away from you. Then I'll give you something that'll feel... That'll fill you like you've never been filled before. But the first thing I've got to do is empty you so I can fill you. Hallelujah. So Pete says, Peter says, he's always talking. Peter's always talking. We've left all to follow you. And Jesus promised, I tell you the truth. Watch this now. This is so tough. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive a hundredfold in this life and in the age to come eternal life. What he's saying is, guys, you hadn't left anything when you left fishing. You hadn't left anything when you've left this world. You hadn't left anything when you said goodbye to my own wishes and my own desires because in this life, I'm going to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Plus... Plus, I'm going to give you eternal life. I preached a message one time, the man who left church too soon. He left before Jesus got to tell him this. And I'm going to tell you, he was telling the disciples, and if the lawyer had been there, the attorney had been there, he would have said, wow, I think I want some of that stuff. I think I'd like to have a hundredfold. I believe with everything that's in me, the only thing that's holding back the kingdom of God in your life completely is your own self-will and your self-interest. But when you empty yourself, when you literally empty yourself, he said, I'll come in and fill you up and you'll never know joy like you've known. You'll never know a peace like I can give you and you'll never know a contentment like I can put in your heart and in your life. I'm preaching to you right now. If we empty out, he'll fill us up. If we empty out, he'll fill us up. I love y'all so much, I just come out there and squeeze y'all right now. <laughs> y'all are the sweetest people to preach to in all America. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to give you two lessons that are very important to us. Two lessons. Two little principles very important to us. Number one, when you're making plans for God's kingdom, for God's kingdom, you need to set lofty goals. Amen? Somebody say, he can, he can. do anything. He can, he can 
do anything. There is nothing impossible with God. I just think it's time to charge your battery on faith tonight. I'm a faith healer. No, I'm not Oral Roberts and I'm not, I'm not Benny Hinn, but I, I can heal faith by the preaching of the gospel. And I'm going to be a faith healer tonight. Some of you need your faith to be stirred in your spirit again because I'm telling you, with God, all things are. Say it again. With God, all things, not some things, all things are possible with God. That'll heal your faith. Hallelujah. I like the story that's told about Henry Kissinger several years ago. One of his aides came with a report that Kissinger had requested on a conflict in, in Africa. And he laid the report on Kissinger's desk. And Kissinger didn't pick up the report, but instead looked at his aide and asked, Is this your best effort? And the man answered, Well, sir, there are some things that I wanted to check out, but there wasn't enough time. And Kissinger didn't even open it up, said, take it back, rework it, and then bring it back to me. The man took it, went back for two weeks, and labored over the report. Finally, he brought it back and gave it to Henry Kissinger. And once again, without looking at the report, Kissinger said, does this represent your best effort? And the man thought for a moment, said, well, some things aren't too well documented, sir. I could spend some more time in research. And Kissinger said, take it back and work it over and bring it back when it represents your best effort. A week later, after working almost day and night, the aide brought back the report, laid it on his desk, and for the third time, without even looking at the report, Kissinger said, does this represent your best effort? Yes, sir, said the aide. It represents the very best I can do. And Kissinger replied, that's all I ever wanted. I'll be pleased to read your report. I want to ask you something. When you come in and the praise singers are praising and you just kind of, want to shove that report back and say, does that represent your best effort? We'll do that. And then, and then, and then we, we prayed in faith while ago about a little boy and then all of us needed prayer and we got prayed for and, and, and there's a little something rising and I don't, I really don't care if this place just blows up in the Holy Ghost tonight. It don't bother me, but I want to ask you a question. When you walk in the door, did you bring your best effort tonight to the house of God? Did you bring your best praise? Did you bring your best hallelujahs? Did you bring your best spirit? Did you bring your best heart? Did you bring everything that you could bring to God? Because this is the house of God. And one day, soon and very soon, will be the last time we'll ever meet around here. And we're going to go home to be with Jesus. I want to give him my very best. Hallelujah. 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 All I want, God is saying, is your best effort. All I want is for you to do the very best you can for me. You do it for the world. You do it for your job. Can you do it for Jesus? That's all I'm asking. Bruce Larson told about an elder in his church who had incredible faith. And he said this elder would sit in church board meetings and listen to all the plans and dreams and proposals presented by 
the leaders of the church, and then he would ask questions. And after he was satisfied, he would always say the same thing. He would say, why not? Why not? If it's for God and his kingdom, why not? In fact, his words were so predictable that some of the board decided to see how far they could go and still get the same response from him. We got some guys on our board just like that. <laughs> They'd push the envelope as far as they could push it. Great men. And they came with this lavish proposal, an idea that was so far out it was totally ridiculous to think that the church could do it. There was no way in the world that they could ever raise enough money. They could not work hard enough to achieve it. So they presented it, and this elder listened. And he asked his questions, and when they were through, he said, Why not? And some of those board members said, oh, my God, you can't shut him up. I want to ask today, if it's for Jesus Christ and his kingdom, why not? If we're going to do this for the Lord, why not? Why can't we still believe? Do you remember when you got saved? Some of you guys got saved when you was about this tall. And you didn't know why. You couldn't even spell saved. The Holy Ghost came into your life. You received the Spirit of God in your life. You didn't know what had happened to you. But you wanted to go to Africa. You wanted to go to India. You wanted to do all this stuff and all these things. And somebody would say, son, you got to grow up. And you say, why? Why can't I go right now? I want to go right now. We'd cry at the altar at youth camp and we'd weep and we'd cry and we'd go to camp meeting. We'd say, oh, God. But all of a sudden we've grown out of that. And we're saying, you know, you know, we, we better watch it because hey, there's, there's some things that we just can't do. Why not? Why can't God still do what we used to think he could do? I want to tell you, God has not left his position. The only people that's left their position is the people that trusted in that God. Somebody needs to stand on their feet and say, why not? Why can't we do all things through Christ who strengthens us tonight? Come on, clap your hands real big. Why not? Why not? Why not? I got one thing to say to you. If it's for the Lord, why not? Why not? It's amazing. This, this, this little church that we were going to take over in Newland, I got I to gotta tell you. The Mancius brothers go to this church, Johnny and Rodney, and they're precious people. But their brother felt his call to the ministry. So, so they, they said, Pastor, it's family. We're just going to leave it in the family. I said, that's fine. So the church that we were going to take and was going to have church out there is no longer available to us. And that's, that's okay. That's fine. We just roll. The same week, the same week that that door closed, I got a call from Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's 120 people waiting on us to start a church up there in Tulsa. They've been having home group meetings, cell group meetings. And they are, they are people that love the Lord and believe in the baptism of the Spirit and and believe in the name of the Lord with all their heart. And guess what? I went up there and met with them. They've already had a meeting. They, they're calling it Christian Life Church Tulsa. And they've already, they've already found a building. A wonderful Assembly of God pastor that knows some of these people said, you can have this. There's an old building over here that used to be their old building. And they built a new building and said, while we're having church here, you can have church here. And said, who knows? Maybe someday we can all get together and just have church together because I'm getting tired. 
Well, I ain't. Amen. I'm telling you what we thought was perhaps a downfall is really an upfall because Jesus never fails his church. And you got some brothers and sisters that's going to probably make their way down here one day and they're going to worship God with us and they're going to see what God's doing at Christian Life Church. Hey, don't ever tell me that God ain't up to something. If God said he could do it, why not? If God's in this thing, why not? Some of you saying, you know, you know, Pastor, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have that job. I'd love that promotion. I'd love to have all that. Why not? You've got an edge on it. I, 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 I've got a dear buddy that's, that's the vice president of Newcore Steel, and he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he came to see me the other day. And there's five vice presidents, and he's one of them, the executive vice president. Then there's a CEO. And there are two men that have already been tabbed three years from now to take over the CEO. And I reached over across the table the other day when we was eating down at Z Tejas. I just reached over and put my hand on his hands and I said, hey, hey, you're going to be that CEO. He said, well, I, I kind of feel good about it. And I said, you're going to be that CEO. Because I promise you, there ain't nobody else in that group that trusts God like you trust. And believe in the God that you believe in. And understand how God works in, in, in mysterious ways and how God can take you from the, from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm telling you. And then, I, and then I just looked at him and I said, if not you, then why? And he said, what does that mean? I said, God's going to take you to the top, son, because you have had a walk with God all your life. And I want to tell somebody in this house tonight, get ready for a promotion in your life. Get ready for a promotion in your life. Because if God's in it, why not? If God's in it, why not? Why not? I got a hush. Because some of you are already sitting on me because you think you ought to go home. We need some why nots in our life. Christians who can exercise that kind of incredible faith. This church needs to be doing some things that cause the world to sit back and scratch their head and say, how can they do that? And we need to answer, why not? God is our partner. And that which is impossible with man is always possible with God. We've got to empty ourselves of ourselves. That's a tough task in a me generation, but we're going to do it, and God's going to help us. I joined a health club several years ago. <laughs> I went ahead and just laughed with you because I knew you was going to laugh. <laughs> and they came, they came in to do a before and after shot of me. So they said, we're going to do a before and then after <laughs> a picture. I had my shorts on, my T-shirt, and I was standing there. They never got the aftershot. <laughs> they showed me pictures of muscle-bound men with bulging biceps, and they said, Rex, within a year, you will look like this and be a poster child for this club. They said, you'll be extremely healthy. Wonderfully handsome, might even grow hair, totally irresistible in appearance. So I signed up and started going two or three times a week. They gave me a list of things that I could eat and things I couldn't eat. That's when they lost me. All the things I didn't like, I could eat as much of them as I wanted. All the things I liked, I couldn't eat any of it. And then... I was really a bluebell man. 
They put me on an exercise program doing 50 setups three times a day. I thought I had pulled every muscle in my stomach. <laughs> Push-ups, pull-ups, lift weights, all kinds of things. And my trainer would walk around me, pushing me to limits that I could not go to. He used to go to this church. He no longer goes here. <laughs> he moved away. <laughs> He'd say, come on, pastor. Push, 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 push. Got to look good. Got to be fit. I don't have to look good. I want to be fit. Got to be strong. Then he put me in an aerobics class. And I was on the back row, and I hopped for about three minutes. Because I used to tell my wife and my kids, that's the easiest thing to wear. Aerobics is nothing. There's nothing to aerobics, nothing. I hopped for about three minutes, and then I just hopped straight up to the front of the class, hopped by the teacher, and I said, I'll see you later. I'm out of here. That's a fact. See, there's a difference in signing up and getting sized up. And some people signed up, but they hadn't sized up. Because if you're going to be a part of this kingdom called the kingdom of God, you've got to empty yourself of yourself. And you've got to go through the tough times and the difficult times and the times where you say, oh God, and you know that God's going to be there and you know you can trust him because see faith comes three ways. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and it comes by praying in the Holy Ghost and it comes the third way by being tried and when you're tried and when you come through. That faith of yours will grow. So what I want to preach to you tonight is that you're hearing the word of the Lord. And many of you have learned how to pray in the Holy Ghost. But some of you are being pushed in your life. God is saying, I want to empty you. I want to empty your own will so I can put my will in you. And you need to look up and look around and say, well, why not? Let's just go ahead and do this thing, Jesus. Let's go ahead and have a revival in my own spirit. Are you helping me right now? Are you getting what I'm saying? See, there's things that we have to deny ourselves in order to be spiritually strong. There are things that we can have that just aren't good for us. But our generation doesn't like to hear things like this. I read about a, a funeral home in Pensacola, Florida that is a drive through funeral home. True. They have drive through windows, six by eight feet. You drive up, you can look at the, at the departed through the window, you push a button and out comes a tray with a registry and you can sign your name without ever having to get out of your car. You never have to even shut off the engine. I wonder how far we are from drive-in church. The mentality where we just drive through and be blessed. Flip your lights one time if you trust Christ. Flip it twice if you want to be baptized. <laughs> be handed a communion and don't even have to turn the motor off. Jesus is saying, that's not my kind of Christianity. You've got to empty yourself. Christianity is selling out, giving it away, coming empty to Christ and letting him fill us with himself. You got to get a grip on this thing called the Jesus principle. Clap your hands and say, I want to do that, Pastor. Number one, you got to set lofty goals. And the second thing, and I close here in just a moment. The second thing is a word called commitment. I talked about it Sunday. I want to talk about it again today. You got to commit to this thing. Commitment of ourselves and commitment of all the material things that God has given to each of us. I want to say this. I, I never hardly talk about it. You know, I'm not a money talker, but some people want me to bless them and pray bl financial blessings over them, and they never bless God. They never bless God. If you want to be blessed, you need to bless the one that's the blesser. See, 
It's one thing to give to the panhandler or the beggar on the street, and I do that. But that's not going to get you blessings. The one that gets you blessings is when you bless one that is greater than you are. When you bless the blesser. When you bless the one that can bless you like nobody else can bless you, that's when you're going to get blessed. And there's so many people that want God's favor on their life and they're not emptying themselves. They're selfish with their money and selfish with their time and selfish with their commitment and selfish with their family and selfish with everything they have. And if you want me, Pastor, you're going to have to do it on my time and my calling and my my minute. But listen, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. And I'm preaching a gospel to you tonight and teaching you something that you need to empty yourself. You need to commit to something greater than anything you've ever committed in your life. James Byrons, who's Secretary of State under Fred, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said that the difference between successful people and average people can be summed up in three words. And here are the three words, and then some. And then some. He said average people do what is expected. Successful people do what is expected Average people fulfill their responsibilities, but successful people do what is expected. Average Christians come to church. Successful Christians come to church. Average Christians give. Successful Christians give. Average Christians pray and read their Bible, but successful Christians read and pray. God wants some and then some Christians who are willing to sell out to him no matter what the cost. I close tonight. Sister Ann, if you'll help me. Brother Randy is in Houston tonight. I, I want to tell you that because he just, he's not a no-show. His sweet wife's sitting over here. He, uh, the family that uh, lost their mother, my wife's aunt, is also kin to him on the other side. And he's going to do the music, and so he had to go down tonight and help with the practice of the music for the funeral tomorrow. Charles Allen, I love this guy, tells about his first pulpit ministry. It was way back in the mountains. And these mountain people lived so remote from society that they didn't even know what was going on in the world. They didn't know what Coca-Cola and Sprite was. He said they didn't know what jet airplanes were, seriously. They had no idea that we had gone to the moon and back. They would stand around and look at the mountains and they would praise God for the beauty and the majesty that God had created. He said they didn't really want anything for themselves. They would do whatever God wanted them to do and he said it was a culture of greatness like he had ever known to preach to. And then he said, one day a mailman delivered a mail order catalog to that little community. And somebody opened up that mail order catalog and suddenly realized all the things they didn't have. So they ordered more mail order catalogs and started passing them around through the community. And he said that the personality of the community changed drastically. Instead of people with simple faith who could look at the mountains and see God, they became a people who sat around feeling sorry for themselves because of all the things they didn't have. I want, to, I want to say, you don't need to look at a lot of catalogs. Because you can become very deficient, realizing what some of the wealthy and some of the ruling people of the world have and what we don't have. 
But stop just a minute. I've looked in the back of this book. And I know a God. That a lot of those people one day would trade all they had. All they had. Like the king that died and said, my kingdom for a horse. My kingdom for a horse. Let me tell you something. All that they have, they'd give away. If they could have the Jesus that is sitting with us here tonight. And blessing us here tonight. I'm telling you, commitment to Christ blesses you in this life and the world to come. I buried a man here about 11, 12 years ago right here in this church. I I did his funeral. Did not know God. Did not know God. And it was the most sorrowful I'd ever felt for anybody I'd ever buried because he had every opportunity He worked, he had a man in his company that was the epitome of Christianity. He had every opportunity to know this God that I preach about tonight. But he never said yes. And when he died, when he died, he had the most huge mausoleum. He had the greatest situation you could imagine. But when I walked away from there, I said, you know what? There will be a day when I will realize that God does all things well. Six months later, a little man in this church who mowed grass and didn't have it all together up here left this world. And he loved God with all of his heart tried hard guess where we buried him we buried him about 150 yards from that mausoleum at the same cemetery and he had a cardboard casket because the county buried him he had a cardboard casket and instead of a big spray of flowers he had he had a little piece of cut grass on top of his casket because that's what he did I'll never forget Russ Cripps was with me that day and we looked across at that huge mausoleum of a man who never knew the Lord we stood here by this man that's all he knew was the Lord and I looked at Russ and I said Russ what do you think God's doing right now and Russ said I don't know pastor but if I was God I'd know what I'd be doing It's an amazing thing how we want things that we can never attain out there. And there's something in here that we all could have if we just reach out and get a hold of it. Amen? Set lofty goals when you talk about the things of God and commit yourself to the ways of the Lord and watch God work your life out. Amen? Amen? I love you folks. I love you folks. Stand to your feet and clap your hands all over this house. I love you folks. I love you. 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 Amen. Amen. My daddy 
could not see. But every time he got in the bathroom, he started singing. And my mother was a professional singer, and every time he tried to sing, she'd try to shush him. Because she could sing. But I went through the office today singing like my daddy. I was out of key. It wasn't right. It wasn't making fun of it. It was just remembering my pop. He used to sing, it'll be different the next time you come. Just wait and see. You've got a lot of lonely children and one of them is me. You know we long to see you. We're never really at home. So if you're waiting to be invited, Lord Jesus, please come. Woo! Never had an education. Got his diploma in 1971. Left school to go fight in the war to give me freedom to preach the gospel. But my daddy emptied himself. He emptied himself so that all of the Lord could be poured into his soul. And he produced a man that loves God and loves heaven and loves the people of God. He produced a man. And when I get to heaven and I know all the angels are going to fold their wings and listen because there's no music in heaven. We're the music. Lucifer got kicked out. We're the music. And I want to get right beside my daddy. And I want to say, Daddy, sing for me. Because I lived under a man that emptied himself and let God fill his life to capacity. Thanks, Pop. Folks, listen, we need some and them some Christians, some people that say, I'm going to go the extra mile. If the Lord bids me to go one, I'm going to go two. If he bids me to give my cloak, I'm going to give my coat also. I'm going to be a two-mile man in a one-mile world. Amen? Amen? Lift your hands all over the house. Let's bless you in the name of the Lord. Dear Father, I love you tonight. I love you tonight. I'm so proud of you, Lord. I love to brag on you. that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.